What we know about the suspect in that Christmas parade rampage that left five people dead, the booster campaign off to a strong start ahead of the holidays, and Target pushes back on Black Friday creep. Tuesday need to know. Let's go. Good morning. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for Tuesday, November 23rd. I'm Jill Wagner here with Carlo Versano. Hey, Carlo. Morning, Wags. Uh, we're, we're a little bit late today, folks, as you've probably noticed if you didn't see us in your feed early in the morning. So you can blame me for that. Actually, you know what? Don't blame me. Blame uh, Spectrum, the world's worst Internet service provider. Uh, my Internet was out for like five hours early this morning. So I was around. I just was not able to uh, to connect. So anyway, that's why we're we're a little bit late. So thank you for bearing with us. Um, also, just a little bit of housekeeping while we're on the uh, while we're on the subject uh, production edition. Uh, that sound effect for the more to know before we go. We're we're changing that after everybody wrote in complaining. So um, we hear you. We hear you. Your voice has been heard. Uh, that sound effect will be um, pared back significantly so that it doesn't sort of like override our voices uh, and give everybody anxiety as as people were writing in. And the other thing is um, the graphic. We're changing the graphic back to that sort of like pinkish purple color um, after people complained that the new green made it very difficult uh, to see on mobile devices, which they were right about. So never say that we don't listen here at the Need to Know podcast. America has spoken um, and we have responded, <laughs> Carlo. Um, yes. And I'm glad that you're back up and running. I don't know if you saw SNL a couple of weeks ago, but there was oh a really God, funny, so funny skit about just trying to <laughs> disconnect from Spectrum. And it was just it, it was hysterical because it was so it right was so on good. in terms of uh, what people go through when they're trying to get get through to them. The thing with the internet, though, is like we, we treat it like it's like, oh, it's like nice to have the internet. But like when everybody's working from home, no, it's like a real utility. Like you cannot work if the internet doesn't work. So you call them and they're like, yeah, there's an outage in your area. It'll be fixed uh, maybe sometime this morning. It's like, well, I got to know that, man. I like uh, the worst. <laughs> um, all right. Well, glad you're back up and running. Let's get yes. to some news here. The man who allegedly plowed through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, Killing five people and injuring 48 has been identified by police as Daryl Brooks, a rapper who performs under the name Math Boy Fly. Brooks is facing five counts of intentional homicide. Police say Brooks had just fled a domestic dispute when he sped his Ford Escape through the parade route and that there is no evidence he knew anyone in the parade. Court documents show that Brooks has a lengthy criminal record, including an arrest earlier this month for allegedly running a woman over with his car, the same one that he used at that uh, parade. He was jailed in that case, but released on a thousand dollar bail last week. Most legal experts say given the nature of that crime, uh, that bail was unreasonably low. Even the uh, the DA who who issued who recommended that bail, I believe, now says um, that it was it was too low, and they're going to do an investigation into how he was able to uh, to get out on a thousand dollar bail. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is kind of like a dumb point, but like I just I, I never understand why we're not more serious about pe taking people's driver's licenses away. I mean, people we talk about this on the podcast all the time. People drive like lunatics. Um, you know, driving is the ultimate privilege, right? We treat it here like it's this like inalienable right in America. But I mean, this guy already had a motor vehicle related violent charge on his record. And even if you put aside the bail being too low, which obviously it was, um, why not at least 
give him a suspended driver's license. I just feel like that should be like a bigger part of the criminal justice system. Like if you act recklessly, especially if you're in a car, we're not going to let you drive at least for a little while as punishment. But that's assuming, though, I mean, yes, that makes sense in, in a normal world, but that's assuming that if somebody's license was taken away, that they would actually take that seriously and not sure, drive. Sure, um, sure. Because it yeah. would need some teeth. Like, would you put a tracker on that person's license plate if that car was on the road? Um, it seems like, though, more and more, um, every horrific crime that we're hearing about is committed by someone who either just got out of jail or or had a prior record. That man who just raped that woman in Central Park, convicted of a similar crime in Florida, served about one year in jail, was then on house arrest wearing an electronic ankle monitor. He just dismantled it and fled to New York. Um, in this case with the Christmas parade, as you were mentioning, even the local DA um, admitted that the bail on, on Brooks was inappropriately low in light of the pending charges against him. That's a quote, uh, especially given that he had an extensive criminal history. So here we are, mm -hmm. even more calls from progressive Democrats, in particular here in New York, to give new bail hearings and release people from behind bars who are charged with misdemeanors or nonviolent felonies, forgetting that some of these people just pled down from violent charges. You know, it may, that may not have been the yeah. original uh, original thing that they were, you know, t uh, charged with. So my, I think my bottom line is, can we just have some common sense here when it comes to criminal justice? Is the system broken? Yes. Is it disproportionately impacting black and brown Americans? Yes. Is it racially mm. biased? Yes. Are there some bad police officers out there? Yes. Uh, are there people behind bars who shouldn't be there? Yes. But what we're doing now in terms of just this bail reform and catch and release it's not working. I mean, we all have a right to feel safe in our homes when we leave our homes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if somebody commits a serious crime, it would be nice to know that they're not going to be back out there on the street doing it again. So again, I just feel like, yeah, yes, the system is broken, but whatever we're doing here, not working. Not so working. can we just have some common sense? I think you make a compelling point, especially about the, the people who plead down, because, you know, to me, the, the bail reform issue, it used to be about, you know, nonviolent, often poor people who get caught up in sort of like the revolving door of the criminal justice system, often for a bad choice they made, you know, in their as they struggled in their lives. Right. You know, failure to appear for, for a court date, smoking pot, drinking a beer outside. Those are the people for whom the system should and, you know, needs to be reformed. But somewhere along the line, it became this sort of like blanket concept for violent offenders and violent career criminals. It's like, no, if you intentionally drive over somebody, regardless of whether it's the mother of your child or not, or if, frankly, if you brazenly smash the windows of a Burberry or a Louis Vuitton store, that puts you in a different category as the poor mother who was caught shoplifting diapers at Target, right? And I just don't have any sympathy for for the plight of those folks, and I appreciate that it's that it's complicated, and that poverty has a lot to do with crime and and the roots of crime. But I, I don't I, I what you're I think what you're saying is 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 a cogent point, and I I, I don't really know where it, the bail reform issue sort of like took this jump to become more of this like widespread um, uh, 
you know, concern. Does that make sense? I completely agree with you. I think the system's incredibly complicated. I'm not a criminal justice expert. I don't know the answer to fix this. You know, it's it's years and years in the making of, of bad policies mm -hmm. that have put us in this position. But what we're sure. doing right now in terms of the bail reform and just calling for the release of prisoners, it, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, and it's putting everybody at risk. It's not like okay, like these people go back to communities that are more at risk now. It's not a black and white issue. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, yeah. I, I, as just a mom, as somebody who wants to feel safe, um, this stuff is, is, is hard to even listen to when, when you talk about all of these crimes and, and these people who are perpetrating them who should never have been out, who should have been behind bars to begin with. Um, yeah, this guy certainly okay. seems like a case of that. Okay, on to the pandemic. The White House says as many as 3 million people have gotten their boosters since the CDC authorized the shots for all adults on Friday. It's a strong start for the booster campaign. Heading into the holidays, more than 36 million Americans have been boosted since September. The White House also announcing that 95% of federal employees have complied with the vaccine mandate, which goes into effect today. Go to get my shot uh, this morning, so everybody, prayers for me. I know it's uh, there's a lot on your mind, but just think of my poor arm uh, today as I go to get that shot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to get boosted, and I'm gonna. I'm I'm done, man. I'm done with COVID. I know I've said that 500 times over the last two years, but I think really after this booster, I'm 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 sick of worrying about it. Uh, and I will have that immunity, and it will be lasting. Let's hope. Uh, but there was one thing I wanted to. I actually wanted to bring this up yesterday, and I forgot about it. But Pete Buttigieg uh, was on uh, the Today Show over the weekend. Um, and he answered a question that I have been asking, I think that we have both been asking on this podcast, which is why is there no vac vaccine mandate for domestic air travel? Um, and I thought that his answer, I made a note of it and then I forgot about it. His answer was ridiculous. He said that all, well, the other strategies are proving effective, like masks. And it's like, oh, oh, are they? I mean, I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like it's proving very effective given that flight attendants are regularly getting their heads beat in by people who won't wear masks. But it's, this issue about why there's no vax mandate on airplanes, I still I just can't get over it because it's so obvious. It's so obvious and it's so easy to do. You just have to just give, just make it that you have to show your vaccine card when you go through. TSA, right? I mean, you already have to do that to get into like a restaurant anywhere in New York, for instance. It's not a difficult thing to do. Um, and it would, it seems like the airlines should be in favor of that because it would, it would de-escalate what we're seeing on these planes with people who aren't abiding by the mask mandates. If you just let people, if you just mandated vaccines for air travel, you wouldn't have to make people wear masks. It's so obvious. No one listens to me. <laughs> Pandemic solved by Carlo Versano. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, the prosecution is going to be giving its closing rebuttal today in the trial of the three men charged with murdering Ahmad Arbery. The defense rested its case by blaming Arbery for, quote, running away instead of facing the consequences and making terrible, unexpected, illogical choices. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Arbery's mother uh, yesterday actually had to leave the courtroom after uh, the defense caused audible gasps in that courtroom when uh, they told jurors, and I'm quoting here, turning Ahmad Arbery into a victim after the choices he made does not reflect the reality of what brought Ahmad Arbery to Satilla Shores, the place where this uh, murder happened. 
in his khaki shorts with no socks to cover his long, dirty toenails, end quote. So that comment appears to be based on Arbery's autopsy, which describes his toenails as, quote, long and very dirty. But, I, I mean, that was really uh, pretty uh, pretty offensive. I think it's, it's hard to say what they're doing here. I think using that kind of inflammatory language, even if I, they're allowed to, I suppose, but it seems like they're trying to portray him as some sort of, like, degenerate who shouldn't have been running where he was, um, which I guess is the point because the defense does not have a good case here. And I, I, I think that, you know, if, if these guys are acquitted, um, which they very well could be because of that, that Georgia citizens arrest law that's on the books. Um, I don't know. I think that we're going to see some real unrest and I wouldn't be, I, it wouldn't shock me, um, if people were really up in arms, if these guys get off, cause this team, this just seems like an open and shut murder case to me. Right. And the prosecution is saying you can't claim self-defense when you started the fight, yeah, right? exactly, and there are, right. in that sense, I guess there are some similarities with the Kyle Rittenhouse case and this one. But a lot of people have argued, and, and I would agree that the media attention um, should really be on this this case here, um, because this one is just I, it's just egregious when you think about what what, what actually happened. Um, I heard an right. interview with somebody. Um, she was interviewed by ABC News. She lives in that neighborhood in Georgia, and she was familiar with one of the guys who actually shot Arbery. And she mm-hmm. said, I mean, he she described him as arrogant and said he basically thought he was the law. Um, and I think yeah. that that, as you mentioned earlier this week, is the bigger issue. We have yeah, the right to bear arms. We are gone to the teeth here in this country right. where, where so many people own firearms. Uh, different states have different laws when it comes to carrying those firearms in public. Um, and then you've got, like you said, this, this you have self-defense laws. You've got the uh, citizen's arrest laws. I mean, this is where wow. uh, we're going to be finding ourselves, I think. I, I think we're going to be seeing more of these cases going forward. Yeah, I, I completely. I mean, like you said, we are armed to the teeth. So there, are, you know, these things happen when you have a country that has more guns than it has humans. Uh, Jeff Bezos, switching gears here, has donated 100 million bucks to former President Obama's foundation. That is the largest individual gift the foundation's received to date. The donation was given in honor of John Lewis, with Bezos asking that the plaza at the Obama Presidential Center in Chicago be named after the late civil rights icon. While the Amazon founder has been upping his philanthropy as of late, this is a drop in the bucket compared to his ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott, who's given away close to $9 billion since their divorce. I got such a chuckle when I saw the story yesterday. I mean, Bezos should make them call it like the Barack Obama Fulfillment Center or something. It's just, it's just, I know that I harp on Obama uh, a lot on here, but it's just perfect for his new sort of like post-presidency role as this like plutocrat and media personality. And it's honestly, it's the perfect encapsulation of the state of the Democratic Party right now, whose leader is, for all intents and purposes, Barack Obama and not Joe Biden. And I say this as a card-carrying lip, by the way. But, you know, a party that cannot pass voting rights, but they'll make, you know, they'll, they'll take $100 million from Jeff Bezos for a plaza to honor the man who dedicated his life to the cause. It's just like chef's kiss. Couldn't make it up. Uh, Target announcing that it's going to be closed on Thanksgiving Day, not just this year, but for good. Target CEO Brian Cornell says that the retailer is making a pandemic era change permanent, forcing back a trend of those Black Friday sales creeping into Thanksgiving. Walmart is also closing for the holiday, but hasn't said whether it will follow in Target's footsteps in the future. 
Oh, finally, sanity finally prevails with this. I mean, have, this is the this has been one of the worst trends of the last few years, right? These stores opening on like first they opened at like nine o'clock Thanksgiving night, then it was like seven, then it was like five, and it's like. I mean, it's just, it's such a slap in the face to the spirit of Thanksgiving, which is, you know, Thanksgiving is the best American holiday by a long shot, precisely because it's one of the few that we have not given over completely to like our worst consumerism impulses, right? It's just a day to eat, lay around in your sweatpants with family, reflect on this like crazy time in history we're living in, watch some football, watch some TV, eat again, take a nap, take another nap, no gifts, no work, just like, let it be. Like we can get our treats the very next day if we wanna stand in line with all the other guys at the you know, Best Buy or Target and the mall or whatever. But like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm happy to see that Target is doing this and I really hope the rest of these um, big retailers follow suit. Um, and by the way, if you work in retail this Black Friday, I know we've said this in the past, you have my permission that you can fight at least one customer. You have a hall pass. <laughs> the worst, the person who acts the most feral and insane on Black Friday, you can say you have Carlos' permission to to kick them out. Do whatever you got to do, because I you just don't don't put up with that nonsense this year. Um, on a serious note, though, <laughs> Target has a, a pretty uh, interesting strategy, and they kind of laid it out in their latest earnings report. Where unlike so many of the other retailers out there. Target said that they are not going to be raising prices, okay, that they're not. So obviously we know because of inflation and supply chain issues, um, everything has just been costing more money. Target saying, right. yes, their costs have gone up, but they're just, they're not going to pass those costs on to customers. Um, mm -hmm. And the whether or not that's a good move in terms of their bottom line, we'll see, right? Is that going to garner enough goodwill with people who are shopping for them to say, you know what? I'm going to make Target my go-to over Walmart or Amazon or other places that are passing those costs on to customers. Um, and now Target right. coming out and saying, we're closed on Thanksgiving. That's it from here on out. Um, another, I think, way of saying, you know, we value our workers. We, you know, and I, yeah. so I think I think Target is trying to come out as kind of like the morally uh, correct um, and, and maybe just the moral retailer in, yeah. in terms of shopping. Well, I think that's certainly how they want to position themselves. I mean, I, you know, who knows how altruistic something like this is, because the fact of the matter is, you know, you just shop online now. Like, you know, there's really no reason to be going to a store on Black Friday, let alone on Thanksgiving night. Like if you if you need your treats so badly like that day, just order it online. Right. But no, no, that's the whole thing. It's like, is this going to want it's great PR. Um, and yeah, at the right. end of the day, it probably is going to do nothing to their bottom line in terms of, of sales because everyone is shopping online. Right. Um, and in terms of just passing, not passing those higher costs onto customers, is that part of a bit, you know, is that altruistic or is it part of a bigger strategy to just gain some goodwill from the public? Right. Um, regardless though, I'll take it, you know, um, and especially yeah. if you're shopping online, you can easily compare prices from all of the retailers and see which are less expensive. Uh, wanted yeah. to end with a great story from the New York Times style section over the weekend. It is certainly near and dear to my heart. This article <laughs> was about a new fashion trend among young women in South Korea who are now wearing hair curlers out in public. And the reason I do not have my hair curlers in right now for anybody who is, <laughs> is watching this on YouTube is because we recorded late, this yes. a little bit later. Um, so I've already done Wake Up With Cheddar, which is the morning show 
Um, so I, my hair, your hair looks amazing. Uh, but I want to just read a little bit from this article. Hair rollers in South Korea are typically worn in bangs. Check. I do that too. Uh, they cost <laughs> as little as 80 cents a piece. They're accessible and affordable for most women. Korean celebrities often post pictures on social media, sporting curlers, Older women are both intrigued and mystified by this phenomenon. Unlike previous <laughs> generations of women who felt it was necessary to get ready in private, hidden from the sight of men, one woman interviewed says that she and others care much less if their grooming efforts are visible. Quote, that's why it doesn't matter if you have a curler in on the subway or the cafe. Oh, you're, you're, I feel so vindicated, Carlo. <laughs> It's so funny because uh, Becky was reading this in the style section on Sunday and she sent it to me and she was like, Jill is ahead of ahead of her time because, you know, the, the Koreans are always ahead of us when it comes to uh, when it comes to trends. So I, you're right. You are vindicated, Jill. No, I will not allow <laughs> anyone to make fun of for your hair curlers in public. Uh, the best was when I used to work for a different network and I was at uh, I would report to the stock exchange at like three in the morning. I used to put my curlers in at home and then I would right. take. Usually I had a car service that I would take to the stock exchange. So I would roll in to the stock exchange and it was just the security guards there at that hour, but they'd always get a little chuckle of me and my curlers. And I <laughs> forgot my ID one day. And so they had to take, I had to take a new picture to get a pass to get in. And so it was me in my curlers. Oh, okay. Man, that, do you have was, that? that was the photo that was on my ID for the stock exchange going forward. It's hysterical. I'm actually going to repost it onto my Instagram account. Please. I'll put it I in one of my stories because it's so funny. Uh, you could follow me. What is my Instagram account? I think it's a uh, Jill R Wagner. Uh, so it's at Jill R Wagner. Definitely. Please do that. Uh, yes. Definitely. Check it out. Anyway, and it's funny because like I have received a lot of negative comments because I do wear the rollers occasionally. I, I mean, I mm -hmm. wear them every day when we put this podcast on YouTube. And there are comments if you go on our YouTube page that people are like calling me so unprofessional and, you know, what's wrong with me. Now you me? just send them this. You send them this story. That's all you got to do. You're ahead of the curve. Not only am I not unprofessional, guys, I'm like ahead of the time. <laughs> a trendsetter. When it comes to the trends. Yes. All right, time for a little more to know before we go. President Biden will renominate Jerome Powell to lead the Federal Reserve for a second term. There were murmurs that Biden was going to nominate another veteran of the Fed, Lyle Renard, to the top job amid pressure from progressives. Instead, she's going to be put forth as vice chair, Biden praising Powell for his decisive leadership during the pandemic. Uh, Wall Street liked this decision uh, yesterday. Yeah. I think this was smart. I mean, I, you know, steady hands at the till, right? I mean, you have may, you may have problems with some of the monetary policy out there, but I think I would argue at least that the Fed probably saved us from a depression last year, and that was that was Jerome Powell's doing. Uh, Powell, NASA by the launching way, appointed a, by yeah. Trump. Um, he was appointed yeah. by Trump, but then mercilessly mocked favor, by yeah. Trump throughout the presidency. Yeah. And it's it's very uncommon that any president would weigh in on Fed decisions, um, but right. but Trump broke with with precedents for that as he was wont to do. Um, what was I saying? Oh, NASA, they're launching a mission tonight that is right out of one of those disaster movies from the 90s. Uh, this is gonna be cool. The Space Agency's new planetary defense division planning to crash a spacecraft into an asteroid, all in an attempt to bump that space rock slightly off course. This is the first real world test of a technique that could theoretically become useful if an asteroid of a certain size is discovered to be uh, hurtling toward Earth. This one is not, it's 6 million miles away and it'll take this uh, spacecraft about 10 months to get there. 
Armageddon ahead of its time. I'm talking yeah. about the movie with Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, the families of the victims in the 2018 Parkland shooting have reached a multi-million dollar settlement with the federal government over the FBI's failure to stop the gunman. The settlement is reportedly in the neighborhood of 130 million bucks. The FBI infamously did not pursue a tip that that shooter was amassing an arsenal of guns. Yeah, the FBI um, and the, the the sheriff in that case both just uh, really derelict dereliction of duty uh, in the worst sense. The Wall Street Journal reporting this morning that NBC Universal is continue is considering pulling a lot of its content from Hulu and putting it on Peacock, which is of course its own struggling streaming platform. Uh, NBC has a very small window early next year to exercise an option that would effectively have it leaving Hulu. Uh, Hulu, of course, controlled by Disney. Uh, NBC parent Comcast is a minority shareholder in Hulu, though. Uh, as Peter Kafka of Recode put it in a tweet, and I thought this he was dead on, the fact that NBCU is debating whether to put its best stuff uh, on Peacock tells you probably what you need to know about Peacock. Taylor Swift has broken another record with the re-release of her 2012 album, Red. The song All Too Well, Taylor's version, is now number one on the Billboard Hot 100. At uh, 10 minutes and 13 seconds, it overtakes Don McLean's American Pie as the longest song to ever go number one. American Pie, you can find that on the Need to Know uh, Instant Summer Playlist on Spotify, by the way. Uh, a great song. Still a classic. And finally, in sports, uh, LeBron James will be sitting on the bench tonight when the, Knicks play, uh, the Lakers play the Knicks in New York City. The NBA has suspended James for one game following an altercation at the Lakers-Pistons game on Sunday night. If you saw that, it was pretty wild. Uh, that altercation had James hitting Pistons center Isaiah Stewart in the face as they jostled for position during a free throw. Um, that hit, which uh, LeBron says was an accident caused him to be ejected for only the second time in his 19 season career. I'm not so sure it was and an accident. And this is the though. first time he's suspended um, in his 19. Oh, is it? Career. I actually didn't know that. Is that true? Yeah. Um, okay. Get with it, LeBron. That is what you need to know for Monday, November 23rd. I see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>